It is well with my soul this morning, but not so much well with my heart. This has been a tough week for me and for my family. And so, there are some Sundays that I, I, I can't get up and preach to you. Today's one of those days. What I will do is I will talk to myself in front of you. And you can connect the dots wherever you like. We, we've experienced heartache this week. Um, loss. And so, if you don't know, I... I, uh, we, we lost a, a good friend of ours, Bob, who really took care of us our last year of our stay in Louisiana. And um, he's been battling cancer for 10 years. Well, Marianne had a trip planned, of all places, to Hawaii with her good friend for some time, been a long time in the planning. And so early Monday morning, I have her down at the airport, and um, she had the 6 o'clock flight from KC to Dallas. So as we were saying goodbye, she turned to walk away. She looked at me and said, don't let Bob die this week. Well, probably not, but he would rather you go to Hawaii. And I leave her at the airport, and I come to the office at 6 o'clock. At 6.15, Bob's wife calls me and says, I need to tell you that Bob passed away last night. Now i got a dilemma. Do I tell Marianne in Dallas, or do I wait till she gets to Honolulu? I thought, well, she's going to find out sooner or later. And so I call She called me when she landed. She was standing in line at Starbucks to get coffee. And I told her, I said, honey, I've got some bad news. Bob passed away last night. Silence. And she began to sob. Oh. Standing in line there. There's nothing I can say. I just listened to her cry. I hopped in my car early Wednesday morning with a dusting of snow that happened here. Five-inch dusting of snow. Drove 11 hours. I've been in the car so long that I'm kind of tired of myself right now. Um, so I went and stayed with my parents. And my dad is not doing well. He has Parkinson's. And he struggles to get up and move. He's fallen several times. I got to have those early morning conversations with my mother, and I miss those. On top of that, yesterday, as I was thinking through this, I thought, you know, I I need to make a phone call uh, to another mentor of mine. Just let him know how much I love him. Just to hear his voice. I told him what I had been through, and he begins to cry and says, 
My health isn't good. My memory is. I'm losing my memory. It's been a tough time. And, and if you haven't figured out by now, I, when, when, when I come to the pulpit, I don't mind sharing with you my life and our life. I think it's in the realness of the world we live in and the times of difficulty that we learn much. But, but it's never easy. So it's well with my soul, but not with my heart. Go to the next slide. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. To keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassingly great revelation, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says this, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, strong. We want to cover up weakness. We want to deny difficulty. Stuff emotion. There's something grand in, in the challenging times, and that is power of Christ in weakness. I mean, we're all weak. We all have weeks like I had. I'm not the only one. But Paul said this, it is by His grace. My grace is enough for you. Weakness or difficulties, because when we're weak, it's when we're strong. Because renewed strength comes through weakness, not avoiding it. So I want to tell you about Bob. That's his picture on the obit, obituary card. Just a t-shirt. Just a t-shirt. That's how he lived. He was an ordinary country boy that loved life and he, and he loved others. As I said, he provided for us. But I tell you this because at his funeral, a, pl- a room bigger than this that's packed with three or four hundred people. That before I got up to speak, there were three other guys. And the first guy came up and, 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 and I think he had a prayer to lead. And he said, i got to tell you something, that when I was little... Bob took me under his wing. And he taught me how to do this and this and this. And one of the things that he, he, he made me do was to stand up in front of the church and lead prayers. If it wasn't for Bob McElwain, I would never be standing here today. The next guy gets up. I think he led a song and he said, I'm going to tell you something. If it weren't for Bob McElwain, I would not be up here in front leading, leading singing because he taught me how to do that. And when I was young, we would go skiing together and he would take us to the river and we'd always be at his house for cookouts. 
Bob McElwain that taught me. Third person gets up and says basically the same thing. He just loved people. If he wasn't ill, he, he would have come here to Kansas City and two things would have happened. He would have been mad at most of you. Not because of me, but because you took Marianne and Caroline away from them. Loved them. He'd be all over this room and he'd get to know you and he'd find out something about you and he'd find out something you had in common. He'd tell you about all those years coming to Kansas City to the Western Auto Convention because he ran one of those stores. man that owns most of the downtown buildings in Columbia, Louisiana owns thousands of acres around. has his own beautiful place that has two or three houses out there for his children. And you'd never know it because he drives a stinking old green Ford pickup that's about 1997. It smells like oil and grease and diesel in there. But he changed lives of people. He was invested in people. So I, I stay with my parents about 30 miles north. I, my youngest son uh, had a flat tire the night before, and so I said, give it to me. I'll get it repaired in Columbia, and they can repair the flat. And then after the funeral, I'll come by and pick it up, and, and uh, we'll take it, get your car fixed. And so I walk into this tire shop in Columbia, Louisiana, in a suit and tie. I am a fish out of water. It's mostly boots, blue jeans, four-wheel drive pickups, four, um, not four, yeah, four-wheel drive pickups, four-wheelers, overalls. And this is a place where several congregate just to talk and drink coffee. So when I walk in, they look at me like, what is this city slicker doing here? So I ask, I tell them I need to get this tire fixed, and I've got a funeral that I'm going to. I'm going to Bob McElwain's funeral. Oh, Bob McElwain. Oh, Bob McElwain. Bob McElwain. And for about 15 minutes, I stood there and listened to all those old men tell how much they loved this guy because of what he had done for them. I thought, man, what a legacy. Everywhere you go, People have stories. I told you before what an incredibly tough man he was. Right? His, his hands. Look at your thumb <clears throat> and then picture that being the size of your pinky. That, that's how big his hands were. He's the guy that ran over himself with a welder's truck right up the side, just missed his head and got up and walked in the house. A man that loved to watch movies and sing. He loved the Bee Gees. Tough man. But it was those back porch talks that we had. We'd talk about everything. He'd come over to the house. And we talked about life and we talked about marriage and family and we talked about cancer and we talked about death and we talked about God. He always said this. He said, I'm a blessed man. I don't know why God has blessed me. Always then again, he would close his eyes and he would say, but God's going to have to forgive me. I've done some stuff. 
God's going to have to give. Bob, if it's not for grace, Bob, if you don't get in, none of us are. And his prayers. At the end of service, quite often they would ask him, Bob, would you, would you lead the prayer? I'd say, sure. And it would be silent. 10, 15, 30 seconds of silence before he would speak. Then he would do one of two things. He would quote a song from memory. More than once was the 23rd Psalm. Then he would break into a prayer where he would just pour his heart out to God. And the tears would flow from his eyes. I'll never forget that. Go, go to the next slide. I want to say this to you today. Again, this is Paul in Second Corinthians. If you want somebody, if you want to read somebody pour out their heart in one of the books of the Bible, listen to Paul. Read Paul in Second Corinthians. But here's what he said. Just as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in Him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are, they are yes in Christ. So through Him the Amen is spoken. By us to the glory of God. And I need to remember that regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what, you're, what I'm going through, that it's not a no from God, that in every circumstance it's always a yes. There's something within this that I learn, that I grow. Often I feel like I'm like Paul, the least in the kingdom. And I'm the least. At times it, it even feels like defeat. But I want to tell you something. We're not defeated. We are heartbrokenly motivated. Because in Jesus it's a Yes. So one of the great hymns, if you want to look at it, is page 490. It is well with my soul. It says, When peace like a river tendeth my way. Next line says this, When sorrow like sea billows roll. There are times when the sorrow just rolls and rolls and rolls over the top of you. And I've learned, I've been taught to say it's well with my soul. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole of it. Nailed to the cross. I don't bear it anymore. It's well with my soul. But this one, Lord... Haste the day when the faith shall be sight, when we will see 
got all these questions. We've been going through the book of Job in Bible class. We've got all kinds of questions. Things happen in this world. We lose loved ones. We don't know what's coming next. Lord, we pray, haste the day when the faith that we have will turn into sight and we will see and we will know. Even so, it's well with my soul. I want us to sing that this morning. Probably don't even need the book. If you love Jesus, you shouldn't need the book. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Let's do that. Stand with me, please. I leave you with this. When I was driving to to Columbia for the funeral, I saw this and I had forgotten. That's what basically um, is on the land that we lived, Bob the Land. Television tower of just at 2,000 feet. I've forgotten about that. See, it is a tower. It rises above everything. You can see it for miles everywhere. But it did something for us in addition. It oriented us. We would go on Caroline's basketball trips at night or wherever, and we'd be coming back to little Columbia, Louisiana. And I don't have any idea how much further we got. Start looking for the tower. Night it lit up. There's the tower. Now we're getting close. It would orient. But it also told us something else. It said, there's home. We get to the tower, we're home. And I told the congregation assembled that day, I said, that is Bob McElwain for, for us. He towered above others. But he always was there to orient us to what's really important. Always talking to us about God. Always quoting Scripture. Always loving us. Always taking us out to eat. You were around Bob. You were home. And I say that to say this. That over the last several days, it's been clear to me, that's what I want. Be that for others. Help orient others toward Jesus. Them to know that when they're when when they're around me, they're home because I'm going to point them to what is home. That's in Jesus, because that's what's ultimately most important. I want you to be a tower. We get too easily involved in stuff that just ultimately doesn't matter, right? Do things that probably shouldn't and say things that we probably shouldn't and we get all discombobulated about stuff that in the end just doesn't matter. I want to learn to practice the words of that song today and tomorrow and the next day. That's well with my soul. But in Jesus, it's a yes. 
may not be all right with my heart today, but in my soul, it's it's well. So we've been talking about small groups, and I had to I had to take a detour today, but this applies. Man, we orient each other when we come together. We point each other toward home. Go to the last slide. Well, here's what God told the Israelites. The Lord said to me, made your way around this mountain long enough. Time to go north. They had been circling for years, going nowhere. Circle, circle, circle. God said, now's the time. You've got to decide. It's time to go north. Going north is, is moving toward the promised land. Moving north is finally going in the right direction. That's what I want to make a commitment to today. Time to go north. Stop circling. Stop going through the motions. Stop forgetting what's really important in life. So it's time to move out with tears in eyes, with heart hurting, and head north with hope. Because that's where God is. We don't have time to waste. And one day, our faith shall be sight. In the meantime, we walk by faith and not by sight, and we praise. So we're going to stand and sing. Thank you for listening to me today. But this is real. This is life. Sometimes we just need to talk about what's really important, and you're really important. As we stand and sing, if we can pray for you, you feel you're feeling what I'm feeling. Not right with the soul. If there's something we can pray for you about, something to overcome, maybe today is the day you give your life to Jesus, the ultimate decision you'll ever make. Life's too short, and God's too. Let's stand and see.